everyone, Tooth and Claw Podcast. We got Wes Larson, smartest Me. person in America, top <laughs> five-ish in the world. No. For sure the smartest bear biologist in America. Definitely not the smartest bear <laughs> biologist in America. The smartest bear uh, biologist on this podcast right now. Okay. We got... I'll accept that. Jeff, the number one black bear field tech in the world. That's me. In, in 2014 and 15. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I benched 200 pounds. Nice. My, oh, man. As much as Shrek. That's amazing. I <laughs> I don't think that's true, Jeff. I think what? Shrek could bench a lot more than 200 pounds. He did lift that person over his head. And... I'm not even a Shrek fan, and I think that. So I think you got to <laughs> yeah. take some steroids or something, and maybe you'll get there. And then we got Mike here, oh. who's our producer, Mike Smith, and might go see the Mario movie soon. Oh, Mike. Been I've thinking been... about it. I've been thinking about it a lot. I really want to see it. I think more and more as I read reviews and see pe- like friends of mine that have seen it, I'm I'm like I'm, I think I'm gonna like this movie. But the bar yeah. was set low. I'm not like thinking it's yeah. gonna be anything mind blowing. But I, I do think I'm gonna see it. And I I kind of think I'm gonna enjoy it. You know what movie I've been thinking about more? Uh, I know Sky Captain. You know. The world of tomorrow because <laughs> you can't stop talking about it. So it's bad. good, guys. So the boys were just in Montana, and as we were deciding which movies to watch, we did our customary decision process, which is uh, getting like eight Smash Brothers characters on on the Super Smash Brothers game, putting them all at computer, and then having them fight with each other. And each character is assigned a movie that we may or may not watch, depending on who wins. And the first night we did that, Jeff's movie, Speed Racer One, which is a very visually um like eclectic movie that's just weird, like but it's kind it's of weird. Fun. But by the end of it I was like, okay, I've had my fill of like weird visual movies. And then the next like the next night, or maybe two nights after, Mike picks for his character Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow, <laughs> which is another very strange visual. You said you movie. hated it like five times on the drive home. I did, and then I I watched it again, guys. No, you didn't. I did. So I read I Roger Ebert. That. Ebert, he gave it four out of his four stars. Oh wow! That's so a huge, I like huge miss. There's a big wormhole about like the creation, the making of all that. I I like it. You, sometimes no, it does take like sometimes it takes like a perspective I didn't think about for me to like a movie more, like Dunkirk. Sure. I didn't like Dunkirk at all, and then I heard actually Quentin Tarantino like explain the movie and why it's good. Now it's like a top five war movie ever for me. It's great. Sky Captain was terrible. <laughs> it was so bad. <laughs> so yeah, I got well. home, and I got my new driver's license, Uh huh. and I think like... So, like, every time you get it, maybe your picture's worse because you get older, you know? Yeah. I think this might be the worst picture ever taken of me like really period really yeah yeah on my life i want to see i don't i feel like i look like oh yeah that's bad 40 year old woman who's been smoking her whole life do you do (laughs) what's going on there (laughs) so wes took my beard trimmer when he was here and all i had was a razor and i was like i haven't shaved my face all the way in five years so i was like and my friend natalia was telling me to so I was like, you know what, whatever, let's see what it looks like. And my face just like poofed up once I shaved it. 
<laughs> it just looks so weird. You look and like a you look yeah. like a forty something year old like woman gym teacher in that photo. <laughs> yeah, I look like uh, Charlie's mom, and it's always sunny. Oh yeah, you kind of do. <laughs> or the the principal in Matilda a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys have like good driver's license pictures? I feel like they always I'm turn happy out kind of bad, right? Yeah, mine are pretty good. Um, mm. I and you know what? The other thing is, I uh, my passport photo. I'm like the only person I've ever met where they let me smile for some reason. Like they always tell you not to smile, and I smiled. And I'm just kind of like a happy guy on my passport. And I feel like the <laughs> custom guys are always like, oh, this guy's nice. We'll let him through. And I that's feel how embarrassed I've about it, but now I probably need all to that share my picture with the listeners after you this. You probably should. <laughs> Mike, I noticed you. So we all have some backgrounds right now. And Mike's is about overrated, underrated things. And you have hot springs as being overrated. Yeah. Uh, do you care to elaborate on that at all? Well, you guys can read, right? I'm kind of in the way. Uh, yeah. Hot springs are terrible. Just <laughs> never had a good time at all. So the reason why I put it up there is because I think part two of our story is going to be taking place at the in hot the hot springs, springs that we yeah. were talking about in part one, right? Correct. Mm. And I've just been thinking a lot about them and how much I hate them. Okay. <laughs> hate. Have you... Have hate, you only been hate. to Hot Springs in Utah? No. He's been to Jerry Johnson. I like Jerry Johnson. Yeah, Jerry Johnson was terrible. It was like four <laughs> inches of lukewarm water, and then like you get all soggy, and it's like a four-mile hike out, so you get all chafed by the time it's you're a, back. It's a mile. Yeah, um, it was it, the worst. It's hit and miss. You did miss like it in its prime. There used to be a pool where like the waterfall came right into the pool, and the pool was hot. And you could go into the waterfall if you wanted like extra heat. And then the river is right next to it. So it's kind of like still circulating and not just sitting there gross. But that one like got blown out and has never mm. quite recovered. I feel like yeah. I feel like you're right, except for like if you get a perfect hot springs out in the woods, like it's pretty it's pretty awesome. They're magical. I have opposite views. Like I've always thought magical. if I was yeah, if I was like, like garbage. A, if I was like an old <laughs> sulfur and garbage homesteader or trapper or whatever, kind of like the guy in part one, that Tom Smith guy. Uh-huh. If I if if I like found a hot spring, I would just set up my cabin right next to it, and I would just constantly be in and out of that hot spring, and I would just. You'd also constantly life. have a couple of hippies like having sex in the hot spring right <laughs> outside true. your house. So, yeah, dude, that's a bonus. I will say, like, the first naked people I ever saw were at a hot spring, and it it wasn't the kind of people you want to see naked. They got to stop. Yeah. They got to stop doing that to us. Um, uh, it is mine, too. You also, I your just, background, like, stared at her, too. Your background yeah. also says the sun is overrated because <laughs> it hurts your eyes. <laughs> I don't know. People oh. are kind of like, all I need is the sun and I'll be happy again. Yeah, I mean, I think those people are maybe taking it a little far, but I think the mm. average person appreciates <laughs> the sun a healthy amount. <laughs> oh, that's great. I'd love to see the rest of this document sometime. Is that a document you created? Yeah, that's been going on for a few years. I got a lot of stuff on here. Uh, all right. Well, you know, I think we should get into the story. People are probably chomping at the bit to hear the rest of it. I'm ready. I was hoping when we were talking about hot springs, you just use that to transition right into oh, here. I, you know me. I love a good transition from you usually. But I want to um, do a little bit 
a couple of quick disclaimers. So first of all, a little content warning, because this is a very violent story. It's a story that we're going to have a lot of pretty gruesome details here. So if you have sensitive kids or really impressionable kids, or if your kids are dumb, if you got really dumb kids, you might want to turn it off now. Um, <laughs> but I guess if you do it right now, now they're going to know that you think they're dumb. So uh, also might as well let them listen or, or here, turn it off if your kids are really smart and perfect too. And that should trick those little dummies. All right. <laughs> so another thing. I just want to talk about something really quick. The bear in this story is going to come off like a movie bear almost, where it seems bloodthirsty. It seems like it's like intent on just like killing. And I just want people to remember as you think about this, like this is an animal that we're talking about. It's an animal that has natural urges, natural desires, and those urges are pretty simple. And, you know, they basically are keeping itself safe, giving itself opportunities to reproduce and finding food and this fits squarely into one of those desires and urges and um, three yeah and and honestly like just remember that this is a bear this is an animal that was just trying to get food it was just doing its daily thing we're in its habitat we share habitat with these animals every once in a while they're gonna see us as food and that just places us back into that cycle that we were a part of for a very long time I'm not trying to like diminish the horror that it causes in people's lives when these things happen, but I don't want us to view this bear as like an evil kind of like bloodthirsty thing because they don't have the same morals as us. To them, we're just another animal that could potentially be food. So just remember that as we talk about this. Okay. I forgot what you just said. That's fine, Jeff. I didn't expect it. <laughs> Jeff, you're actually one of the kids that should probably turn this one off and you should just go kind of watch, watch something nice on TV. Okay. So we're going to recap part one really quick. We talked about George Dorskin, who was the dragonfly researcher that was killed by a potentially a grizzly bear at Liard River Hot Springs. We talked about the history of Liard River Hot Springs. And we talked about how in um, 94, there was a black bear that jumped in the pool and chased a Texan guy down, almost got him, but some people threw a bench at him, which again is pretty, pretty cool of them. And then we Shrek talked- strength. That is some Shrek strength. Strength. That's hard to say. Uh huh. Yeah. We did get into then our main characters, which we talked about Patty O'Connell and her kids, Kelly and Kristen. They were the family that had left Paris, Texas. They were heading toward Alaska and they had stopped at Liard River Hot Springs. Kristen had met some other kids of the hot springs. She was playing around with them. And then we talked a little bit about Ray Kitchen, who was the truck driver. He was there with his daughter and her friend Sarah. And they had headed to Liard River Hot Springs after a normal day of dropping off explosives for road crews. Um, <laughs> that's right. Okay. So that's where we're at in the story. And if you remember, Patty and Kelly had gone up to Beta Pool, which is the further pool in this series of pools. And Kristen had run back down to the parking lot to hang out with her friends, maybe get some lunch. And as they were heading back down, Kelly decided that they should go up to Hanging Gardens, which is like a little diversion from the main boardwalk. It's this really cool terraced area that has like these mineral rock walls that then have terraced terraced um, (laughs) that then has there was a furry furry terrorist there today. Um, (laughs) Anyway, I I had mentioned that it it was just one of those kind of throwaway decisions that you'd never think twice about, but it ended up being a really tragic decision. I mean, it's like 
a place called Hanging Gardens right next to you. You got to go see it. You got to go see it. And it does, from looking at photos, it does look like a very, very beautiful place. So the two walk up the short boardwalk in their swimsuits to Hanging Garden. And they're admiring all this plant life in the area. They're admiring this spectacular view. And Patty hears a little bit of rustling in the nearby bushes, but her mind's on her daughter, who's now been alone for a little bit with this new family that they had just met. And so she tells Kelly that she's going to go back down and check on Kristen. And she gets up to leave, and she'd only made it a few yards down the boardwalk when she lifted her head to see a black bear that was standing a few feet away, chewing on some branches in this brush lining the boardwalk. The bear immediately noticed that she was approaching, and it stopped what it was doing to also take stock of this new animal that's approaching it. So Patty had never been so close to a bear, and fear just courses through her body. She hisses the word bear to Kelly, kind of like a whisper yell almost, you know? And the 13-year-old boy turns around, doesn't really see it though, and he's like, sure mom, thinking that she's playing a prank on him because they had just been talking about bears. And then her panic reaches a new level and she actually kind of yells at Kelly. She says, Kelly. And he turns around and he sees what's happening. The bear's now completely focused on his mom. And she's carefully trying to get away from this bear, but it's following her. Like every step she takes, it takes a step. Mm. And another thing to recognize, she's only in a swimsuit. So she feels very exposed to this bear. I do think we sometimes don't really talk enough about how much clothing can give you an extra level of protection when you're being attacked by an animal. Uh, Kelly sees what's going on. He nervously tells his mom not to make any sudden movements, which seemed like some info that he had heard somewhere. But she's frozen in place, and Kelly starts slowly moving toward her, and then in just like a split instant, the bear squeezes through the boardwalk railing, and it charges toward her. And Kelly starts screaming at his mom, telling her to run away from this bear. Hearing these screams from her son caused Patty to snap out of this paralyzing fear that she has, and she turns to try and run toward him, and she only makes it a few steps up the platform. When she's hit from behind by the bear, it crashes down on top of her, and it knocks her down on the boardwalk, where it immediately begins tearing into her with both its teeth and its claws. Within seconds, the bear bites deeply into her chest, and it shakes her, causing punctures to her lungs and her other vital organs, Blood starts just absolutely pouring from her body, and she immediately is having problems breathing. So Kelly's sitting there. He's watching as Yeah, if your lungs are popped, bear, it's pretty hard to bear breathe. Bear bites your lungs, and it's harder to breathe. Much harder, I, I would imagine. Kelly's watching, and he sees as the bear essentially just envelops his mom, and she falls to the ground. Her screams are just piercing through the air. And Kelly, acting out of instinct, charges at the bear and starts kicking it. He's yelling at it to get off of his mom and screaming at his mom to play dead. So pretty brave 13-year-old kid. I think all of us like in our minds have imagined things like this happening to us. And I think all of us would imagine doing this sort of thing. But it's hard to say. Like If if that's happening and you see this ferocious animal attacking someone you love, what you would do if you wouldn't just be stunned, if you wouldn't like try and run and get help. But he, like, on an instinct run and tried to help his mom. Because there's definitely a lot of stories where people don't help, too. Right. And often it's just because they just, like, they just don't know what to do. They're just standing there watching, you know? And he responded really quickly. So his kicks are doing nothing to stop the bear. He goes and he grabs a large branch that's hanging off of the boardwalk, and he slams it in the bear's head. And the bear continues to maul his mom, who's still screaming beneath its body. And at this point... 
Kelly notices that there's blood dripping down from the bear's mouth, and he knows, oh, I don't have much time here. If this bear keeps going at this rate, I'm going to lose my mom. So he summons up all the anger, all the strength he can muster, and he brings this branch down really hard right on the bear's nose. And finally, he gets its attention, and the bear pauses for mauling Patty, and it growls at Kelly. And then its paw shoots out, is how it was described, and it rakes across his neck and his shoulders. So it's now completely focused on Kelly. It charges him and slams him down onto the boardwalk, pinning him down with one paw and then biting him on the back of his neck. And he's like a 13-year-old kid, so I don't, I don't know how much most 13-year-old boys weigh, but it's probably like less than 100 pounds, I'm guessing. So mm-hmm. it's, he's not like a big challenge for this bear. And it crunches its teeth into his waist, lifts him up in the air, and starts shaking him back and forth like a ragdoll, which is what a lot of bear attack victims say. It's kind of our equivalent of the shark in the truck thing. We constantly hear about bears shaking people around like ragdolls. I was trying to think of another comparison. I couldn't really think of one. Um, Like a dog with a new toy? Yeah, I mean, but that's kind of what this is, like a dog with a ragdoll. Yeah. So during this... with a ragdoll? Yeah, could be. But I don't think that'd be quite as good. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, we'll think on it. But during this really explosive attack where the bear's shaking Kelly back and forth, his head is actually getting pummeled against the guardrail of the boardwalk, and he's Mm. starting to lose consciousness. And then the bear drops him and it bites into his neck and twists. And he remembers hearing the sounds of his bone crunching in his neck. And he starts to really pass out at this point. But right before uh, he passes out. bear would leave him alone. I know. It's not. It's got a long way to go. Before what? he passes out, it throws him to the side and he crumples up into a ball on the boardwalk. So he opens his eyes and he's right next to his mom and he's staring into her face. All the blood is out of her face. She's completely pale and her eyes are wide open, and she's not blinking. And then the bear suddenly is tearing into his back again, and it's removing large chunks of flesh and skin from his back. And he can smell the breath of the bear, and he suddenly has this realization that he's going to die. This is how he's going to die, is being eaten alive by a bear. So he just closes his eyes, and he just hopes that it won't take long. Suddenly, I bonked my head on the cupboard yesterday, Yeah, and I had the same thing. You're I was like, this like is I'm going to die. die. This is Yeah, this happens. pain won't go away. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good, very comparable. Yeah. But wait, hold on. Jeff's story is more interesting to me. Yeah, what did just, you do about let's it? Let's just, we'll tie mine up uh, and we'll I get into Did you put like some peas on it? I kept rubbing it with my hand. <laughs> just like, but whenever I stopped, it just hurt so bad. Oh man, that's tragic. Wow. Why we? Why do we do that? Why do we rub stuff? Like, does it help? I feel, I feel like it, it like spreads so. the pain around or something. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that sounds scientific. <laughs> well, this was a very worthwhile he's diversion. Got, he's the... got a lot of areas to be rubbing right now. Yeah, he's got to be spreading. So that. Kelly, he's closing his eyes. He's just ready to go. He knows that this bear's probably going to eat him alive. And right when he's giving up, another branch slams into the bear's stomach and it turns its focus away from Kelly and Patty. Ray Kitchen had stumbled on the scene. He had heard the screaming, and he arrived and immediately started yelling at the bear and then grabbed a branch and started, like, whacking it on the side of the rail trying to get the bear to stop. So when that didn't help, when the bear didn't stop because he was slamming the boardwalk rail, he actually then decided to confront the bear and start hitting it. So he started hitting the bear, 
And his plan worked a little bit too well because suddenly the bear was completely focused on him and it left Kelly and it charged at Ray. It caught him really easily and both of them actually crashed through the boardwalk rail, like broke the rail, went into the, went into the brush and Ray again was only wearing a swimsuit and without this extra protection of the clothing, he was feeling very vulnerable and the bear begins clawing and biting into Ray while he does his best to cover his head with his hands and crawl to a nearby tree. The bear grabs him by the shoulder and it used, again, both its teeth and its claws to pull away the skin and the muscle of his shoulder and his upper arm. Ray immediately knows that he's in way over his head and he starts screaming for help, hoping that some other bystander might come help him. But his hopes are crushed when the bear actually bites into his neck and rips his cardioid artery out. What? Yeah, it just rips his throat out. That's an artery you need. That is an artery you need. You can't survive without that one. So nearby, 71-year-old Frank Headingham is relaxing above the lower pool, Alpha Pool, and he hears the screams from Ray and some other yells from some concerned bathers that were also talking about a bear, and he runs up the boardwalk toward the commotion. And just ahead of him was this woman, Ingrid Bailey, who is a wildland firefighter and a paramedic from California, and her friend, Brad Westervelt. So these three, Frank, Ingrid, and Brad, run up the boardwalk toward the screams. They get to the viewing platform, and they're completely shocked by the scene in front of them. There's two bodies completely covered in blood, lying motionless on the boardwalk. And a few yards away from them, there's a man weakly trying to fight off a large black bear that's now sitting on his chest and tearing large chunks of flesh away from his legs and groin. So Ingrid picks up rocks and chunks of wood, and she starts throwing them at the bear and banging a large stick on the railing and yelling at it. But she's shocked to see that nothing is deterring this bear. It's just completely laser focused on feeding on Ray Kitchen. So Brad and Frank pick up a really large nearby log. And with the help of Ingrid, they ram it into the side of the bear. Like it's like Grand from Lord of the Rings. And uh, just a battering ram. And That's yeah, I crazy. guess I could have said that instead of Grand. Yeah, <laughs> your way was a lot <laughs> less clear, yeah. but I liked it. <laughs> Never going to miss an opportunity. <laughs> no. Uh, How do you know the name of the battering ram? Because it was like their like, big weapon in the books. It was like crazy. A battering they... ram? It's a good name. <laughs> it is. I'd name it Ram. That's what they're chatting when they're like ramming it. They're going Grand, Grand, Grand. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Another interesting diversion. All right, so they are just like ramming the stick into it. And again, the bear is not acknowledging that they're doing anything. It's just still feeding on Ray. And Brad knows that they're fighting a losing battle here. He tells the other rescuers that he's going to go find a ranger, and he takes off running. And Frank, who had a history of heart disease, is starting to feel really exhausted from hitting this bear, but he continues attacking it, which is still producing absolutely no effect on the bear. It's just focused on Ray. That's, I don't know what the word is for what is happening. Abnormal doesn't seem like <laughs> quite it is, a strong it is. enough word, but it's just crazy. Um, the bear's just sticking there. It, I will say like the thing with black bears, and we're going to talk a lot at the end of this episode about predatory black bears and some of the motivations and a really interesting paper about them. But one thing that is really interesting is like, because they don't often kill animals, when they do, once they have it, it's really hard to discourage them. It's pretty easy to discourage them. Yeah, it's pretty easy to discourage them before they get it. But once they have it, then it's like they've got it and they know they've got it. And it's really hard to get them to stop at that point. And we are going to talk a little bit more about that. So suddenly this bear realizes that it's not alone. 
It changes position and it clamps its jaws around Ray's neck again and then violently whips him off the ground. Ingrid starts screaming and this causes the bear to drop Ray. And Ingrid in this moment of horror sees like that Ray's throat is completely ripped out. His face is unrecognizable. He's been chewed on. His windpipe's been torn out, and his neck is actually almost completely severed by this bear. Whoa. Uh, oh, my so God. So Ray Kitchen was, was dead. This bear had killed Ray. The bear disappears into the brush on the side of the boardwalk, and knowing that Ray is beyond help, Ingrid and Frank run to the other two bodies on the platform, which is Patty and Kelly. And Ingrid bends down to get a pulse from Patty, and she doesn't feel anything. And she knows that Patty is likely dead, but her EMS training teaches her that she needs to try and resuscitate her, regardless of having a pulse. So she gets working on chest compressions. And nearby, Kelly starts moaning, so Frank rushes to his aid. But just as he gets there, this bear's paw curls over the railing, or like the bottom of the boardwalk, and reaches for Kelly. What? And Frank, yeah, Frank at this That's point. like know, what that, you're saying, a movie. Right, seems like it's right out of a movie, exactly. Flair for the dramatic. Frank, though, he is like kind of pissed off at this point. So he starts kicking out of the arm and now the face of the bear and he gets it to abandon the boy. Like, it finally just decides, okay, this is enough's enough, and it takes off, and it goes back into the brush. But they can still see it moving in the brush. It's still in view, and now more people are running up the boardwalk toward the scene, and they're going to be in direct view of this bear. So Frank turns to see that Kelly is really badly mauled, and he's crawling toward his motionless mother and Ingrid, who's still doing chest compressions on her. And Frank runs up to Kelly... And in a really quiet whisper, Kelly tells Frank to help his mom. And Frank tells the boy that they're doing everything that they could and to stay calm and not to move. So, I mean, again, like, this is a 13-year-old kid who's been absolutely ripped apart by the bear. It's pulled, like, muscle and skin off his back. It's done all these terrible things to him. And he's still just really concerned with his mom and them saving his mom. Like, yeah, it's very man. admirable. There's a lot of heroes in this story, and, and Kelly is definitely one of them. Let's give that kid, let's give Kelly a purple heart. Ooh, just wait. <laughs> so, Frank has some experience with wilderness first aid, and he tries to clean some of Kelly's wounds and stem the bleeding. But really, like, he and Ingrid just didn't have the materials that they needed for something like this. I mean, this is like stuff you need, like, triage equipment for. And mm. so, they're concerned that they might lose Kelly too if they don't really get working. But almost as if they had wished something into existence, two men show up with towels that could be used to apply pressure to Kelly's wounds. And then one of the men starts helping Frank with Kelly, and the other is assisting Ingrid with CPR compressions and breaths on Patty. So Frank knows that the only way they're going to get Kelly to survive is to get him to the hospital. He knows that they're still just kind of, you know, putting Band-Aids on huge flesh wounds, essentially. So he decides to run for help. And he's only started down the boardwalk when suddenly screams erupt again. And he clearly hears someone say the bear's at it again. This stupid bear. So, <laughs> what the <heck>? Ari <laughs> van der Velden is a 28-year-old research assistant from the University of Calgary. And he had been soaking in beta pool. Do you think his friends were like, hey, you have to go to beta pool? <laughs> you think? All right. Anyway. Yeah, that's why the bear was sitting up there. Uh, yeah, the bear was like, prey. ooh, alpha pool's tough, <laughs> but I will head on up to beta pool. I would so be surprised he's just like hearing all this commotion and just still like, just this hot out. tub feels so yeah, good. I think, I think people like heard it in stages kind of. Like as the masses like moved down the boardwalk, they heard all the commotion and stuff. 
and Beta mm. Pool is a ways away. But when he hears the initial initial commotion, he gets up and he starts walking down the boardwalk toward Hanging Garden okay. to see what was happening. But around the intersection of the garden, and a, a really important point here is when he got up, he kind of just was like in his swimsuit and just threw on his boots really quickly and he didn't lace them up. Everyone's so, in a swimsuit. Pretty much, yeah. Around the intersection that leads up toward Hanging Garden, he and his friends see a group of screaming people running toward them. And in their screams, he hears the words clearly, Charging Bear, and then the people told them to run for their lives. And then he sees this bear charging behind this group of people. And he and his friends turn to run, and because he didn't lace up his boots, he slips and falls on the boardwalk. And... The bear, which was running when it gets within a few feet of Ari, it slows to like a predatory kind of crawl and stalk, and then it pounces on him. In a That's split crazy second, that like, it's like a group of people. I know. This isn't, yeah, again, this is abnormal behavior, but stuff that we're going to talk about. So he's like on his back, and the bear jumps on him. He feels, he remembers describing like the long hooked claws of the bear tearing through his exposed flesh. And its teeth bites into his left thigh. And then he's on his back and he's kicking at the bear. And as he's kicking at it, it's grabbing him by the thigh and biting into his thigh and ripping out big chunks of flesh and muscle. Jeez. And then but he it's like tries better there than by his head or chest, you know. Although you do have your femoral artery in your thigh. And if it gets that, you're in a lot of trouble. So he tries to crawl under the boardwalk and it actually grabs him and pulls him out from under the boardwalk. Starts biting into his back, his shoulder, and his neck. So Frank, you guys remember Frank's the 71-year-old. He had run down to try and find some help. He's covered in Kelly's blood, and he reaches the parking lot, and he runs into a man who had just arrived and was getting out of his motorhome. And he frantically tells this newcomer that a bear was attacking and that they needed help. And this guy was 49-year-old Dave Webb from Fairbanks, Alaska. And like a lot of Alaskans, Dave's packing some heat in his in his camper. Mm, bazooka, probably. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, why didn't they just go take Ray's explosives yet? I think he had dropped him off already, is my guess. But also, <laughs> Ray didn't really have a chance to talk to anyone, unfortunately, tragically. All right, this blood-covered stranger was enough proof for him. So he rushes into his motorhome and he grabs a Winchester 3030 and a Remington 223. And nearby was 27-year-old Dwayne Eggerbroten, and he had also heard Frank's yells, and he's standing near the motorhome when Dave comes out with the rifles. And Dave notices Dwayne and asks him if he had any experiences with the rifles. And Dwayne says that he'd used a 3030 before, so Dave like throws him the Winchester, and the three of the men run back up to the bear. So this is Frank, Dave, and Dwayne that are together now. And how much ground do they have to cover between... Not much. I mean, it's not very far. Yeah. So Dwayne gets to the scene first, and he sees that the bear now has Ari propped up against a fallen log, and it's doing the same thing to him as it had done to Ray, where it's sitting on his chest, and it's starting to feed on his upper thigh and groin area. Ugh, dude. Um, luckily, it hadn't ripped out his throat like it had Ray, so he's still alive. And Dwayne raises his rifle, and he knows that he has to get a good shot, so he actually walks to within 15 feet of the bear and fires. And Ari, who had been, you know, he's being mauled, he has no idea what's going on, suddenly feels this bear collapse on top of him. Mm. Um, Then Dwayne walks up again, and he fires two more shots into this bear just to make sure that it's dead, and it is. So Jeez, emergency all personnel. That weight oh, that's gotta on be uncomfortable. I know. Well, it's only I don't think that's what he's worried about. <laughs> and the crazy thing is, this was only a 220 pound black bear. This is not a huge black bear. It's a big black bear still. 
I mean, it's bigger than most of the ones me and Jeff caught during the season that he helped me. But like, it's not massive by any means. Yeah. All right. So when emergency personnel gets there, Ray's pronounced dead on the scene. Kelly, Patty, and Ari are all rushed to the hospital. When they get there, Patty is also pronounced dead. Uh, Kelly oh, suffered. Wow. Yeah, Kelly suffered broken ribs. The way you were telling that, it seemed like she was gonna make it. Yep, she didn't make it. You tricked um, us. That's. I mean, they thought she might make it. That's why they took her to the hospital still, but she was pronounced dead on arrival. May, could you just like lie and tell us that she did make it? Patty made it. They made it to Alaska. <laughs> Everyone was oh, okay. That um, sounds nice. No, it's actually it's much worse than that. Kelly suffered broken ribs, a punctured lung, a broken vertebrae, countless deep lacerations. He would spend three weeks in the hospital, where he was then released and returned to Paris, Texas. He and his sister actually had to be separated because they didn't have a caretaker for both of them. They were placed in different guardianships. Oh, man. Ari had extensive wounds. I know he did some serious hospital time, too. I couldn't find much information on this. Again, this happened in 97, so there's not like a million articles and interviews and stuff. But there is actually a really dedicated Facebook group to this particular attack that like posts very regularly. And a lot of them have made like YouTube videos and stuff. And I got a lot of information from that. Hmm. Yeah. And yeah. You're also on Facebook. I'm not on Facebook <laughs> that often. Um, I also should mention that I got some information from a Reader's Digest article called Rogue Bear on the Rampage. And then every article I could find pretty much on this, I read. I watched a lot of videos, and then that book that I brought up in the last episode, Bear Attacks by uh, James Gary Shelton, also had some information. Did you poke anyone in the Facebook group? I didn't poke anyone. I haven't poked anyone for a long time on Facebook. Is that, is that still a thing? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> All right, a couple last things. Uh, Kelly received a Star of Courage medal from the Canadian government. Oh, that, so we kind of did, Jeff. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's the nation's second highest award for bravery. Uh, Ray what? Kitchen also re- yeah, received. Yeah, who's got to do to get the highest? I felt the same thing. I was like, wait, what's the highest? <laughs> maybe and you yeah, have to die. Poss- Isn't there some awards you have to die to get? Maybe. Yeah, maybe if you like give your life. But also, but the thing is, Ray Kitchen got the same award uh, mm. posthumously. And then his family actually got a letter from Bill Clinton thanking them for Ray's bravery, who was the president at the time. I will the say queen too, didn't send anything to Kelly. Didn't knight him. Queen? Anything? I don't think so. She probably like someone probably told her, and she was like, "Oh, what? A <laughs> um, um, boy? Are uh, swans attack someone?" Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I I will say like Kelly's bravery was very obvious, and then Ray's bravery, like I think, had Ray not intervened when he did. I feel very confident saying Kelly would have lost his life as well. The bear was ready to feed on him. It would have started feeding on him more. Ray completely diverted that attention onto himself, and he sacrificed his life for this kid. And he's a hero. Like, he just is flat out a hero. Kelly's a hero. These people who rescued all of them are heroes. Like, there's a lot of people in this story that really stepped up and did some really heroic stuff. So I, I didn't do any biology during the story just because it's like such a fast-paced, crazy story that I didn't really want to interrupt it. But I did want to talk a little bit about predatory black bears before we get into categories because they they act so much differently from what you tend to think of when you think of interactions with black bears. So I do think it's a really interesting topic to talk about again. 
I think it's like very helpful for people because really the only black bear that you have to really worry about is one that is predatory. So it's an interesting talking point and we're going to talk about it a little bit. Cool. So this is mostly from a paper that was authored by Stephen Herrero, who is like kind of the godfather of bear safety information. And then mm. Tom Smith, my mentor, was one of the co-authors on this paper. Oh, and no it's way. called Yeah. It's called Fatal Attacks by American Black Bears on People. Uh, it was published in 2011, and it deals with attacks from 1900 to 2009. So between those years, there were 63 people killed by black bears. Roughly 88% of those interactions, those fatal maulings, were thought to be predatory interactions. The remaining 12% were defensive maulings. And of that 12%, most of those were like someone that had shot and wounded a bear or something, and then it turned around and killed them. Mm, interesting. Um, so almost always when a black bear kills a person, it's a predatory thing. If you were to look at grizzly bear attacks, these statistics would be almost flipped. Like very few grizzly bear attacks and fatalities are predatory, and most of them are defensive. So they're very different bears in the ways hmm. that they interact with people. But what we can say is that when a black bear does attack a person, it's almost certainly predatory. There are the rare occasions when it's not, if someone's like cornered a bear or if it's they've wounded a bear or something like that. But almost always when they make contact with a person, it's because it's it's predatory and it wants to to eat them. Um, unless mm-hmm. you're like feeding it or something like in Yellowstone, but we're going to disregard that. So right. of these 63 fatal attacks that they looked at in this paper, 92% of these maulings were attributed to an adult or sub-adult single male. So almost all of them were, were males that did it. And huh. then 8% were a female with dependent young. So the episode that we did on National Park After Dark on their podcast, we talked about a woman who was killed by a female with young, which is very rare, but it has happened. A single That's interesting. So it's not really like cub defending as much as like no, it getting was food for the cubs. Yep. But a single female black bear has never killed a person on record. Wow. That just hasn't happened. So 91% of these fatal attacks happened on parties of one or two people. So really, if you're alone or if there's just two people, you're much more likely to run into a problem bear than if you have three or four. And that's just like a consequence of you making a lot more noise when you're in bigger groups. And then also just you're a bigger threat to a bear when they see that there's a lot more people. They just don't want to engage with you. It's much riskier for them to attack a large group of people. Now, we talked about this in the story. Like, so this bear, you know, attacked Patty and Kelly when they were just two people alone on the, by themselves. And that just kind of put it in this. And this is me spitballing. This isn't me. Like, I haven't written a paper on this attack. I haven't. You know, there hasn't been that much like research into it. But as far as what I think as a bear biologist, when it had actually managed to get a meal, it grabbed them and it knew that it had them and it was going to feed. It then switches out of this mode where it's looking for risk and it's wondering if, you know, this is a threat and it's doing this whole calculus of whether or not it's worth pursuing prey. And it's just focused on keeping its meal at that point. And that's a very different animal that you're dealing with. That's an animal that is going to then take much bigger risks and not necessarily be concerned with other noise that's happening in, until it gets like loud enough, you know, someone whacking a branch on its nose or something like well, that. Well, you said it was eating a branch before it attacked him too. It was eating so brush. Like, it was like, yeah. 
Yeah, I thought yeah. you said brand. No, it was in the brush, <laughs> just eating whatever. Yeah. Um, Is that a mark against or for tree powers? I'm not sure. Yeah, it's a good point. The story has me thinking a lot about that. <laughs> I think it's uh, against it because two so. separate people hit it in the head with a branch. Right. It didn't work. If you're a tree, though, if you had tree powers, you could just shoot the branch right through it kill it instantly (laughs) all right i don't know if that's (laughs) sure it is yes so but that's something to think about and then honestly like once they're in that mode it's really hard to get them out of it so in this paper it's really interesting there was a note in this paper that says once predatory behavior this is a quote direct quote from the paper once predatory behavior is initiated it may persist for hours unless it is deterred After one person has been killed by a black bear, the bear may attempt or succeed in killing other nearby people, as demonstrated by the three incidents in which two or three people were killed, this being one of those incidents. Such bears appear to be strongly motivated as if a switch had been thrown. Once a black bear has killed a person, there's an increased chance that it will try to kill other people. Hmm. They just start raging. Yeah, it kind of, again, it flips flips the switch. It goes into a different mode, and you're dealing with a much different animal at that point. 38% of the bears involved in fatal attacks had access to human food or garbage prior to the attack. So that's a significant number of these bears that were food conditioned before they attacked someone. 30% of the bears implicated in the attacks were thought to have had health problems and may have been food stressed. So I do think it's important to bring this up because anytime this stuff happens in the news... The first thing that people say is like, this was an abnormal bear. Something was wrong with this bear. That's not necessarily true. In this paper, they found that only 30% of those bears had health problems or like something wrong with them. The other 70% were healthy. They were doing fine. They had gotten enough food. Even if it was human food, they were healthy. Like there wasn't a broken tooth. There wasn't like a hurt paw. They were healthy black bears. So this is an animal that can just be a predator sometimes. Sometimes it does just decide that it wants to kill someone and that's not it again, being mean or whatever. It's just it thinking, Oh, I wonder if this is food. I'm going to see if this is food. All right. Yeah. So not a single one of these fatalities did a person use bear spray. Not a single one. That's a very important lesson to think about. That means that everyone that did use bear spray managed to survive in this paper. They make the question like, why don't they do this more often? Why aren't bears killing people more often? They're obviously capable of killing people, so why doesn't it happen all the time? One of the reasons might be because when this does happen, we almost always kill the bear. And that's removing genes of bears that decide that people are prey from that population. They don't pass uh, those genes on. Uh. It's kind of like, in a way, it feels like domestication almost, where like that's what we do when we domesticate animals. Like More aggressive animals, you don't breed them. And the really nice kind of friendly ones you do breed. And it's like the same idea, but obviously not at that level. But when you remove a killer bear's genes from the population, then it's not going to teach those to cubs. It's not going to like, you know, it's not going to pass on those genes that maybe predispose it to kill people. Yeah, it is very interesting. All right. Before we go into like some safety stuff really quickly, do you guys remember roughly, I asked you this last week. How many black bears there are in North America? Mike? Yeah. Is it 800,000? Are you Mike? <laughs> Just kidding. Did you say Mike? <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Oh, I thought yeah. you said you guys. No, I did, and then I said Mike. It's fine. You, you, you can have yeah. that point. You said yeah. Mike under your breath. <laughs> uh, it is 800,000. Good job. And you know what? That number has a bit of a confidence interval, and my guess would be that it could even be more than that. 
So like I read this study that talked about this, like a state park in New York state where over the period of the study, there was like 77 million visitor days at the park. That's like, so if a person goes to the park for a day, that counts as one day. And if that same person comes back the next day, it's like two visitor days. There's 77 million visitor days during this study. And there's 4,000 guy. No, (laughs) by multiple people. There's 4,000 something bears in this park. So really high density of black bears. And they didn't record a single fatality. And they had like three conflicts the entire time, but none that led to serious injuries or problems. So when you think about that, that is an insane amount of bear interactions that are happening where nothing goes wrong. When you think about there being 800,000 of these animals and the amount of time that we spend outside these days... There are millions upon millions upon millions of interactions with black bears every year, and we average about one death from bears in North America every year. So it just really doesn't happen that often. This is a very, very rare thing to have happen. We just did a, we're or like, I guess that hasn't come out yet. We talked about yellow jackets, the teaser for an upcoming episode. Bees and yellow jackets kill like 60-something people a year. And bears, yeah, it's like one. So just remember, like, although this is like probably the- kill bees to get their honey. That's true, yeah. Think of that. It's like rock, paper, scissors. (laughs) So like, really, that one death a year, you could just get rid of it because there'd probably be five more deaths if they didn't kill those bees. Jeff's got equations just flying through the air by his head right now. I don't think we need to get rid of it. No. Well, I mean, it counteracts it because the bees aren't killing people because they Uh, ate them. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if they're killing bees so much as just eating their honey. But, you know, that probably leads to some dead bees. Oh, they're killing some bees, dude. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Anyway. The thing, the thing with these guys is though, like, and it's the thing, the same thing with sharks, the same thing with any scary animal is like the thought of being devoured alive that gets into people's heads and it, and it creates that yeah. fear of this animal. And I think that's okay. I don't, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's what makes you then want to be prepared. That's why we don't walk around. Like, even though dogs kill more than any of these animals every year, we don't walk around with dog spray because we just don't assume that's going to happen to us. And we're not that afraid of it, but we do walk around with bear spray because it's a really horrific way to go. And so I do think people should do that. Like carry bear spray. If you're worried about bear attacks carried anyway, like it's a good tool to have. Mailman carried dog spray. My friend's dog got maced by a mailman once. Really? It was a yeah. It was a scandalous. It was like newspaper material. Well, they understand the risk. Did the I dog guess. have it coming? Yeah, I mean, uh, the, yeah, yeah. So I'm sure some listeners are going to be freaked out by this episode. Yeah, especially like any of you that are on a hike right now or something listening. But yeah, black bears. If you see them in the wild, you should be excited. There should definitely be the respect for them. And if you have bear spray on you, you're going to feel a lot more confident. And you're not going to die unless you completely fumble it. Yeah. And- Just drop the bag. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like Nedry yeah. Jurassic Park. But the, yeah. thing, the thing I really don't want to do on this podcast is like tell people black bears are harmless. I've I've stood next to a black bear trap I and like after pushed that them story, out. people yeah. kind of get your point, right? On that. But I think it's good to have these stories so the pendulum doesn't swing too far in one direction. 
where people just think, oh, I heard on the podcast about how black bears almost always run away and climb a tree, which they do 999,000 times out of a million. But that one other time is the time. It's like that, how much money Mike owes me. Yeah, it's much, much less even, than that. Yeah. Not even close. <laughs> he wishes that's how much he owes you. Well. So generally, this would be kind of a talk that we would have during the what would Mike and Jeff do. But because of the tragic nature of the story, even though it was a while ago, I don't really want to do that category. So I do really just quickly, while we're in the meat of this, talk about what you should do with the predatory Mike's black Mike's good bear. because apparently he doesn't even go in hot pools. Yeah, that's true. So he wouldn't even be there. Mike Alpha would just or be, beta. stay at home. Yep. Yep. Sit in my own <laughs> tub. He'd take a bath. Yeah. Do you like baths? Yeah, just pour a bunch of like rotten eggs in them and we're all set. <laughs> Dead animals maybe. And some Hot dirt. springs right at home. <laughs> do you ever take a bath mike i don't really have like a good bath i just have one of those shower bath hybrids and no one's yeah. sitting in those those are oh i do well, well, really those. those little yeah. tiny tubs mm-hmm. i have like one where i my knees are like in my chest at my house and i and still, still take do baths it? yeah okay. i, I huh. yeah that's I a small it. bath um yeah <laughs> i'll sit in the shower too just because i just love sitting down with some warm water do you guys never sit in the shower huh. Have a nice cry. I, <laughs> I did picture you crying when you yeah. said that. <laughs> you can't sit in the shower and no. not cry. All I right. will sit in the shower like once a year, but oh, I normally I just take a bath. Somewhat often. Well, yeah. Mike doesn't even have like comfortable showers. He just takes like an ice cold shower every morning. It's like. Oh, you're a cold showerer, huh? <laughs> yeah, I am. Do you do the James Bond shower or do you just start cold? James. Okay. Yep. So start lukewarm and yeah. work my way down. Cool. Feels good, dude. Feels good. Yeah, I've always, I've always thought I want to do it, and then I'm like, you know what? This is one of life's little pleasures that I just don't want to give up. So yeah, um, so that's it for what would Mike and Jeff do? It's not. Uh, okay, yeah, it is. All right. So really quickly though, I you guys have heard now several stories on black bears. Jeff, you've worked on a black bear project a little bit. Mike, I feel like we've talked about him a lot. I want to ask you guys, what do you think the number one difference is between? a defensive black bear and a predatory black bear like just in their behavior oh in their behavior yeah like before the attack happens Mm -hmm. like if you see a bear approaching you what's going to be the thing they're doing differently a predatory defensive they're going to give you the warning signs and like clack their jaw and snort at you and try to get you to like back away before they attack you yeah predatory they're gonna just kind of come right at you they're sneaking around a little right yeah, you guys got it right. The one thing that's maybe a little off there is with the defensive one, they're not even going to attack you. It's just a big display. Well, you said 12% have attacked defensive. So that's but what that I was, was like, but of. there was like other factors involved in that. Like they were wounded or they were you cornered. You said defense attack. Okay. 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 Let Jeff Sorry. have it. Um, just move on. <laughs> anyway, I'll give well, it Well, that's to why you. I was confused though. With a defensive interaction with the bear versus a predatory interaction. The main difference is going to be noise. So with the with the bear that's acting defensively, a black bear. Remember, we're talking about black bears in this episode. I don't want you guys to try and extrapolate this to grizzlies because it's a whole different conversation, as you loyal listeners know. But with a defensive black bear, it's going to be popping its jaws. It's going to be hoofing. It's going to be going. It's going to be swatting the ground. It's going to be like squaring up to you. It's going to be doing this huge display to let you know that it's scary and that it's a bear. And it, it is scary when they do it. It does make you like think, oh, I don't I don't want anything to do with this bear. Even when they're cubs do black do bears it. stand up? 
Uh, sometimes they'll kind of like do a little stand and charge, but it, not nearly as much as grizzly bears do. And when grizzly bears stand up, it's really just them trying to see what's going on. It's not part of a display or anything. But that's what they're doing. And then a predatory Plus bear... Plus it kind of makes them is look the, more cute than scary at that point, I think. Okay. <laughs> a predatory bear is very much the opposite. It's going to be very quiet. It's going to be following you and it's going to be stalking you. Often, like in the open, you're going to see it still, but it's going to be really taking its time and it's going to look like it's thinking the entire time. And if you're obviously being followed by a bear for a long time or even a short time and it's not doing this big aggressive display, you need to do everything you absolutely can to discourage it. One of the things you're going to do to discourage it is to stop moving. Because if you're moving backwards, it knows that you're being submissive and that you're still potentially prey. You don't want to move backwards. You don't want to run away from it. The only time I would say you could keep moving backward is if you're like close to your car or close to some sort of shelter where you can get away from the bear. But if you're not, you need to stop moving. And then at that point, you want to be yelling. You want to be throwing things. You want to be as aggressive as you possibly can to deter this bear. Because like we talked about in this story, once it makes that decision and it's like, this is food, I'm going for it, deterring it is going to be much harder than it is at this point. So you're you're doing, you're just being totally dominant with this bear, everything you can to stop it from attacking you. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And like having seen the, the jaw clack and like the snort. It's something to definitely pay attention to if you see a black bear because it's not, it's a little more subtle than a lot of animals, I feel like. Like a gorilla will like beat its chest really loud or like a big cat will roar. Yeah. With a bear, I'm kind of like, what are they doing? But you've, you've mostly, that's been in like traps or dens. When they're out in the open and they're doing that, they're also like swatting the ground and doing bluff charges and stuff. It's very obvious that it's like a big display okay. and that it's like pissed off. I um, clack my teeth in my sleep a lot. I do does too. That, <laughs> does that say anything? Yeah. Who do you think you're thinking of? <laughs> I'm probably like these bears, just like a little roast chicken thought bubble over my head when I'm asleep. <laughs> I bet you you're just mad about people giving Hot credit springs. to Tom Hanks or something. <laughs> the sun. He's just thinking about the actual sun. All right. Uh, giving credit to Tom Hanks. <laughs> yeah, dude. You get so mad when people say Tom Hanks is a good actor. Forrest Gump is a bad movie, by the way. Uh, my All right. teeth are so. starting to clack. <laughs> All right. So again, I like everything you <laughs> everything you can do to deter it. If it comes close enough and you have spray, by all means spray the bear. And if you deter it and it runs away and then it comes back, you got to do it again. And sometimes even running at the bear will be enough to like chase it off if it's if it's like being as persistent as like that requires that. Okay. So I'd like to see a dominatrix and a bear square off. Because one's you know, dominant. She's going to be, yeah, she's going to like <laughs> with her big old high heels and a whip and stuff. Oh, yeah. The, the bear's bear not going to want any of that. No, no, it only likes subs. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So really I'd quickly. Like to see that too. This is just. <laughs> you could probably find it online. <laughs> this is just five things. Like, so if everything that I've said so far is just kind of like gone through your head, it just hasn't really set in. Here are five things that you can remember if you're being stalked or followed by a black bear. Wes is big five. Group up. Be as aggressive and as loud as possible. Get your bear spray out and use it if it comes close enough within 30 feet. Hold your ground if you're not near a safe location. 
and never run. Those are the five things. Group up, be aggressive, get your bear spray out, hold your ground, and don't run. So that last one's almost unnecessary because I already just said hold your ground. So we'll just say four. We'll keep it five like in dodgeball where he's like dodge, duck, dive, dip, dip, and dodge. Okay. And he has exactly. dodged twice. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I am going to work just a tiny bit of nuance into this. I've seen a lot of videos where like people have a bear walking up a path toward them and they're like, oh, this bear is stalking us or following us or something. Remember that bears really like to use the same kind of paths that we use. And these are often bears that are habituated because they're in places where people hike a lot and they're not necessarily afraid of people anymore. If that bear isn't like focused on you and kind of like trailing you and following you, It's probably just trying to walk by you. That's not a predatory bear. That's just a bear that's trying to go from point A to point B. So the way that you can test this, if there's a way for you to get off the trail and kind of let the bear go by, do that. And if it peels off and follows you off the trail, then you know that that's a bear that you need to be concerned about and you need to start being aggressive. I was just going to ask you, in the story you told, is there anything that anyone should have done differently? Um, not really. I, it's hard I to even have bear spray when you're like in hot pools. Well, and it was 1997, so bear spray wasn't like really commonly used at that point still, especially in Canada. Honestly, like I do think this demonstrates that this could happen at, at any point when you're in the outdoors. Like you could be at a really popular tourist trap destination and still have a negative encounter with the bear. So I think the things that like no one did anything wrong because this isn't a place you would necessarily expect to have this interaction with all those people around. If they had been in a bigger group, it probably never would have happened to begin with. This bear had probably arrived, seen all these groups of people and thought, I'm just going to look for berries or whatever. And then when suddenly there's two people on their own and they're both pretty small, it's like, oh, you know, I've got an opportunity here. So with a bigger group, it probably wouldn't have escalated to this level. Ari should have tied his shoes before running to investigate people screaming about a bear. Yeah. Um, should the mom have like been more aggressive towards the bear probably, right? Right when it came out of the bushes? If she had have just like ran at the bear and yelled at it and thrown stuff at it right off the bat, this probably never would have happened. Okay. okay. But it's hard to say for sure. You, you never know. And the other thing that I think people could have done better is when all those people were like, going to see what was happening had they just been unified and not run away and screaming panic they would have been able to stop it before this guy shot the bear so ari wouldn't have gotten chewed up quite as much had everyone just swarmed around the bear and been throwing stuff and yelling at it and stuff that would have been way too much for this bear okay all right so i think we've talked about it enough unless you guys have any other questions why did the bear, is there a reason why it seemed like the bear was intent on going after the groin of these people even before like killing them? Or is that just to incapacitate them? That's, I mean, that's like, like, a like pervert. That's why I, no, I mean, that's why getting killed by bears is one of the worst ways to go yeah. because they tend to eat like the fatty parts of your body and like lymph nodes and stuff like that first mm. kill me first and then go for my groin dude your legs are huge mike it would go straight for those freaking so if you, thighs i mean if you grab your thigh right by like where your groin is like that's yeah, i'm doing that's it. like muscle and fat right there you know that's like oh yeah it's a good spot for a bear to start <laughs> it's getting a lot of muscle that is it's nice. getting a lot of fat yeah mike you go any further <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's mostly it like We've talked about this a lot on the podcast, but this is not an animal that incapacitates its prey. It 
just starts eating it if its prey is small enough. I think with Ray, where he was bigger, it did actually like kill him. You know, it decided just yeah. to go for his throat and mm. kill him because he was putting up more of a fight. But with someone yeah, like they were Patty probably about the Kelly, same weight, huh? Yeah, they were. They're pretty much the same. And so, like for him, it was like I got to kill this before I eat it. But with these other people, it was just like I'm gonna sit on them and just eat them. You know, so it's not a good way to go. No, carry bear spray if you're gonna be in a place with lots of bears, even black bears. Okay. I have a cage match question for you. Yeah, I was actually going to do cage match. Oh, okay. Do you want me to save it? No, let's launch into categories. We're not going to do ouchies for this one. Yeah. But we'll go into categories, and you can. we'll start with cage match. So my question was, so this bear, it's like 220 pounds. Uh-huh. Is there like a human who in a cage match versus this bear you think would have a better chance of winning than the bear? Any human on the planet? No. Well, that's a good question. There probably are. I would pick, like, John Jones. Like, I feel like John Jones could, like... But, like, it, you can't headlock a bear. It's going to bite <laughs> you. So, like, it's I don't know. built-in weapons that just I just are... feel like... I feel like there's people that would last a lot longer... But sooner or later, the bear would do enough damage to where they would like start losing blood, start losing strength. We I think just don't have the weapons to like. We don't have the weapon to like kill it, right? And they're yeah. just built so strong that I don't think they could like snap its neck or something. I just think it would be the person would have to subdue it, but then after a while, they would just get so clawed up and bit up that they would die. Yeah, you can't subdue a bear because they'll just scratch you. Right. Mm. It's pretty it's pretty tough. Maybe like Timothy Treadwell rematch. Like once you fight once, you kind of learn the other guy's moves. <laughs> uh, I can't wait till we do Treadwell just cuz like that's one that I'm going to feel okay joking about a little bit more than a lot of them. Yeah. Um so that's cage match. Uh for our pop culture this one, uh we've obviously done black bears a bunch of times. So I decided just to come up because there are a lot of heroic figures in this story. I decided to ask you guys what your one of your favorite heroes from pop culture. Doesn't necessarily need to be your favorite, but a favorite hero. I'll go last. Mike, you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. I have a couple honorable mentions I can save for the end. I think I'm going to go with Dorothy, though, from The Wizard of Oz. Um, it's a weird pick, mine. I know. <laughs> 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 now, it's just, she just seems like such a nice person that, like, saves this whole realm. This is weird, I know, I but, like... It doesn't ever seem like she's holding a grudge or like even with the Wicked Witch, she just seems like she feels bad more than anything. So I I feel like she's just a really kind-hearted, heroic figure. And I love that movie. Can't All deny right. it. That's so between that and Sky answer. Captain. No, we're not doing Sky Captain. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Would I'm it also... be Angelina Jolie or Jude Law, though? Oh, Frankie. Angelina Jolie, for sure. I think I thankfully fell asleep during part of that, and I completely missed Angelina <laughs> Jolie's role in that movie, which was a real blessing for me. Anyway, my answer is also one that's tainted by recency bias, but I'm going to go with Daenerys Stormborn from Game of Thrones, Daenerys Targaryen. You're so, doing a rewatch. Yeah, I'm rewatching Game of Thrones, and I'm rewatching it for the first time with the context of knowing what happens at the end which is like very interesting and spoiler warning. If you haven't watched game of Thrones, this character that you follow throughout the entire series that you're rooting for turns out to Mike, you haven't watched it. So I'm not going to spoil this actually. Anyway, I, I know, but whatever. 
Daenerys for me is He's like gonna the, say have sex with her with her nephew. Me. Nephew, yeah. yeah. What? <laughs> she is like the character as I watched it the first time and now as I watch it again that I just feel like does the most good, that has the best motivations. Me that too. I was just rooting for the hardest. And she's just so cool too. Like she rides dragons. I don't yeah, know. She's I just my like favorite love character. her. Yeah. The first time I watched it, I was like all Jon Snow, but this time I'm like all Daenerys. So she's my pick for a hero, fictional hero. Uh, I'm going to go with the T-Rex in Jurassic Park. Great pick. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) The raptors, you know, first of all, you need to start off, you need a redemption story. Yeah. So, like, first the T-Rex tries to kill Lex and Timmy, and shouldn't have done that, probably. There's an argument that it was protecting them. You know? When it's smashing them into the mud? Yeah, that it was just, like, looking for other dinosaurs and, like, hanging out. (laughs) Yeah, like if it really yeah. wanted to, it could have got him. Yeah. It did push the car off the cliff with them in it. <laughs> that's true. It took it a little um, far, that's all. Yeah, but then at the end of the movie, the raptors are about to kill everyone, and who comes in to save the day? Old Rex. Yep. <laughs> and then in Jurassic World, comes back again to beat the Spinosaurus and saves them all over again. And at this point, it's like, this the T-Rex Dominus, really, yeah, Dominus. This yeah. T-Rex like really doesn't want people to die. Like it's <laughs> like anti-killing humans. Which is the worst thing they ever did in those movies. <laughs> it only kills one person, right? The weird little lawyer guy the bad in the bathroom? Guy. Yeah. It so, targets yeah. like the worst human. This, this sleazy lawyer. Yeah. Um, is he the only guy it kills in that movie? I think so. I think you're right. Wow. That's a great pick. That's that's Thanks. great. Yeah, thinking outside. Yeah. The box. Is there any good child heroes? Since we got a child hero in this story, Astro um, Boy. I'm sure there are. Mega Man. How about that? <laughs> Rock Man. <laughs> Spider Man. Spider Man's a yeah. high schooler. Oh, that's yeah. a good one. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Um, what are your honorable mentions, Mike? Uh, I mean, t- you kind of. It's just not worth talking about them really anymore. <laughs> that's why I went last. T Rex. Yeah, you- I didn't come up with any honorable mentions. I mean, this is like such a wide category that there's so there's many, like a ton. But yeah, um, we'll come back to it at some point next time we have some real strong heroes in our stories. All right, the categories on this one are a little bit different again because it is such a tragic story. So one kind of positive category that I wanted to bring back that Mike has done recently is I just wanted to ask you guys a favorite thing from the past month that's happened to you. Mike, was that your category? Just, just like, like a, anything nice? Well, I think when you did it, it was or like... Animal Encounter. It was like a, you did Animal Encounter, and then once you did like a pop culture thing that you just liked from the last Oh, yeah, month. just like your favorite thing from the past month. Mike, you go before me. I've been collecting just volumes of my favorite manga series, and I found some pretty rare ones, some like first edition prints i've been trying to get at least like the first volume of all my favorite series i'll just shout out beck mongolian chop squad amazing manga about a little guy who's kind of lost in life and he joins a rock band when he's in high school and it just takes him all kinds of crazy places and it's just like a really fun coming of age story so that sounds interesting check it out i think you'll like it all right that's great for mine i'm just gonna say my favorite animal encounter me and Jesse got some ducks, some ducklings. I don't know if I brought that up yet. We got some little ducklings, and it's just been fun. Like, it's finally starting to warm up here. And the other day, I just had them out in the yard, and they're just peeping around in the yard and doing their little duckling things. And I really like ducklings. So, that's going to be my favorite thing from the past month. 
Do they follow you? Not yet. But they mm. do stick near me. They don't, like, run away. They, like, hang out right by me. Is Bryce chilled out at all with them? She's doing better, but she's still pretty obsessed with them. <laughs> just hovering? Yeah. Mm-hmm. She just loves parent. them. It's not like her trying to eat them or anything. She just absolutely is obsessed with them. Um, For me, I'll just do, like, a couple, I guess. Let's do... I saw a fox in our parents' backyard in a snowstorm, and is it's my fifth favorite animal. I love seeing foxes. And then I went and hiked into our family cabin in Brighton yesterday. It was just, like, really nice, like, it's like a, I think Utah's at, like, 250% the normal snowpack up there. Whoa. So it's just, like, an unreal amount of snow, and it's just really cool to, like, see all these cabins buried in the snow. Yeah, that is cool. How are the windows doing? I know you guys were worried about that. There is snow touching them, but they're fine. They're not, like, shattered or anything. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, episode of Succession last night. Oh, gosh. Uh Yeah. Spoilers. crazy. But, yeah, so... And I think, like, for TV, it's maybe, like, the best depiction of, like, a death I've ever seen. Where, like... Yeah. Not not that it, it had one quite like it or anything. Not that, like, hit home. But it's just, like, so unexpected... No one really knew what to do, and everyone was just kind of like, I don't know. Normally, it's like you have like some big line before they die, or like some like you know moment that lets you know something's about to happen. And this one was just like everyone processing him dying, and is really good. It was great. Some of the best acting I've ever. And seen. Tom said that he's bringing some gray glitz with him on the plane, which was really fun. Yeah, uh, pretty funny thing. Jesse's first episode of Succession she's ever seen was that episode. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So pretty <laughs> much jumped the right in series four. All right. So we're gonna move on to listener questions. I got some patron questions. Okay. Let's start with Shauna. They ask if you could choose one actor or actress to bring back to life, who'd it be? I'm very torn between Chris Farley and Heath Ledger. Two good picks. Those are great picks. Uh Norm MacDonald. <laughs> yeah, that, that's who I'd pick. I'm going strictly actor, okay, actress, because I feel like he was more of a comedian. Yeah, because he'd an be actor, mine. Though, I mean, too. Dirty Work is okay. an so you miss his movies. <laughs> no, but I'm still picking Norm Macdonald. <laughs> it's not, just I can't uh, I'm gonna pick one. It. Yeah, I'll go Chadwick. Chadwick Boseman. Bo- uh, Boseman. Boswick. Yeah, or Boseman. Boseman. Why was I missing yeah. that? Chadwick <laughs> Boseman. Yeah, I don't know. He just seemed like he was kind of. Really catching his groove once he got cancer. Seems so like a would have like been a, cool what he could have done. A like outside good person too. Yeah, I would have really liked to seen it more from him, like outside of Black Panther. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really unfortunate because he was he was kind of an older guy who hadn't really caught in his break in Hollywood for quite a few years, and then when it finally happened for him. It's just really sad. He his, so honestly, cool. his honestly was like, not to get too personal, the only one that ever really made me cry because he died of colon cancer. And I had had a friend that had just passed from colon cancer that wow. I hadn't like processed it yet. Mm. And then like when I heard that he died of colon cancer, I like I like broke down and cried for a while. Were you sitting in the shower? I wasn't. I was like just in bed. <laughs> Would I went to visit Jessie where she was living and I just like, I cried for a long time, and I think mm. it just kind of opened the floodgates on like yeah. on all of that repressed stuff. Anyway, 
that's a lot. So <laughs> if we brought him back, you wouldn't have that release. Uh, no, that's true. But I probably should have picked him over her. Norm McDonald. <laughs> All right. My- I'm, I'm picking River Phoenix. Uh, he oh, was that's just a good pick. By far, when I was little, I saw him in, of course, the third Indiana Jones movie, and he was just immediately the coolest person on planet Earth. You he know, was cool. And then, like, kind of right around that age where I started kind of understanding that people died and like didn't come back, is when it was him and Kurt Cobain were like two of the first celebrity deaths that I was cognizant of. But just an amazingly talented young actor. I love basically every movie I've seen him in. And uh, yeah, just gone way too soon. Yeah. All right. All right. Next question. This one's from Ash. If you had to go on a dinner date with any animal and eat what they eat, which animal would be the best host and give you the best meal? Hmm. Uh, I'm going fruit bat. I like fruit. I love all fruit. Yeah. I know they eat mango and that's enough for me. It's a good answer. It's a really good answer. You threw me off of my answer even. I'm gonna mm. go. I'm gonna go with a black bear from our store. Okay. I right. feel like black bears eat all the stuff I like the most. They also eat like rotten meat though, and like trash. Well, they eat non-rotten meat too. Yeah, but don't you have to like eat everything it eats? Isn't that the question? It doesn't have to be like the. So worst they're giving you like their eat. best thing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Their favorite thing is like candy wrappers and garbage cans. Yeah, though. I'm eating candy and. I yeah. guess I I framed that as a or a good uh-huh. argument against, some but honey. that does sound really good. Yeah. Some yeah. honey and meat. Mm. All right, <laughs> those are both really good answers. <laughs> um, I initially was gonna say honey badger because honey just sounded like a really nice thing, and like, but they don't really eat that much honey. Yeah, and you should have so, said bear if you wanted honey. I know, I know. So I actually, I. I think I'm just going to jump on. I like your answer, Mike. So I'm just going to bandwagon on this one. Hell yeah, dude. Me and you. It'll be like a double date. You can't name another animal that eats fruit. Um, Fruit fly? No, but it would just be the same thing. (laughs) Yeah, fruit fly. Like a lemur. Sure. A lemur. (laughs) Yeah. I just like Mike answers better. I mean, you literally picked the same thing before that. So. Yeah, that's the right. same thing. Okay, Dude, you gotta you gotta take it easy on Wes. I went hard on him. I wanted down. an answer, dude. No, well, he he gave a better answer than me, so I'm gonna I'm going with his answer. Yeah, you just You're giving like, him props. Yeah, you like Tom Cruise at the end of A Few Good Men. Tell or, me. Okay, this one's uh, Wand P asks Wes. What was the first job you had as wildlife biologist? And for Jeff and Mike, what was your first job? My first job was actually on a polar bear project. So I really lucked out with my first job. Whoa. As and a wildlife biologist. I was a tech, but I helped yeah. out on a polar bear project and then started my master's degree on that same project. So that, that was my first job. I'm very, very lucky to have done that. Yeah. Most, that's where most wildlife biologists start, right? That's not true. Polar bears? Yeah. No. No, it was very... <laughs> I was very fortunate. What was your guys' My first, first like, job? Real on the book job was construction, doing cement foundations for houses. That's right. I remember too, like they're no all like you can bench two hundred pounds. <laughs> yeah, they're all like tough guys. <laughs> and mom sent me there on my first day with a note that like was asking for days off on my first day. It was like <laughs> I get occasional lake days, and I got made fun of that like the rest of the time I worked yeah. there. Mom has no concept of like <laughs> how that works. Uh, my first Note job my was mom. I worked on a golf course and I was an okay employee until a new guy got hired. He was a little older than all of us high schoolers. 
and they gave him 50 cents more per hour than they gave any of us. So we all kind of mutinied a little bit, but that golf course, I'm surprised it survived after we were done. <laughs> I feel really bad. Nah, you shouldn't. Yeah. You're in high school. You, no, no one should feel bad for anything they did in high school. Unless it was something actually <laughs> bad. Unless it was something really bad. It's right. pretty. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, what's next? Okay, last one. This one's from Katie and also Gianna. Would any of you eat the lab-grown meatball made with extinct woolly mammoth DNA? It's simple yes or no. I'm saying yes. Yeah, I'm eating it. Just like, how are you eating it? Like a meatball sandwich? Oh, I think it's like the size of a volleyball. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I'll eat a bite, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'll try anything once. So you only need one meatball for all your spaghetti That's in that true. case. <laughs> and like who else gets to say that they've like tried some woolly mammoth meatball? You gotta try yeah. it. It's like yeah, going to space. You could put that on your resume. You could put that I'd put that as my bumble headline. <laughs> I, I ate a woolly mammoth. Woolly meatball. mammoth meatball, yeah. <laughs> I ate a volleyball-sized moly mammoth meatball. <laughs> All right, Jeff, you got some more in, some more from Instagram? I sure enough do. From Grace Shepherd, Hidden Talents. I got a super long tongue, like the longest of anyone I've ever seen. <sighs> that's more like life. a gift than a talent. Yeah. Yeah, you're like Gene Simmons. He does have a huge tongue. Yeah. What, yeah. Maybe you could tie a knot better with it or something? Yeah, I can pick my nose with it. There's a talent. Oh, there That's we go. Cool. Yeah. 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 Uh, parallel parking for me. I can't park in regular parking spots straight at all, but I'm the best parallel parker in the world, I think. It's good. I think I'm really good at like throwing my clothes in the laundry hamper or like trash <laughs> in a trash can from far away. I just never miss. That's such oh. a good like B minus grade superpower. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll kick, I'll like scoop it up on my foot and just kick it into the basket. <laughs> oh, I like that one the most. All right. All right. Monday's child jewelry. That sounded like a promo. Signature <laughs> dish recipe if you're cooking for A, yourself, or B, other people. What if someone just changed their, like, an ad sponsor just changed their name, their username, to, like, <laughs> to, like the entire <laughs> copy for their ad <laughs> and tricked us into reading it? So signature dish if you're cooking alone and then for someone? Yeah, I'm just going to give one dish. The last time I cooked for a date, I cooked an elk steak, which was risky, and then Ooh. onion and like grilled mushroom with it, and she said she really liked it, so that, I guess it's not my go-to, but that's the last one I cooked for someone. Okay. Hmm. I'm like a person who cares very little about food, and like, so when I'm alone, I tend to eat like a child, and I'll just <laughs> eat like healthy cereal children no but i just i try and buy like a healthy cereal and like i make green juice and just then just like kind of eat whatever's easiest like i'm much more a convenience person so if for my alone i'm saying that for trying to impress someone there's this recipe from new york times that jesse found that's like a peanut noodle with with chicken and stuff that's just really good and it has scallions in it and it's just delicious, and I really like making that for people because it's easy to whip up, and it's really like an impressive dish. So, and I'm a really good baker too, so I usually bake something. You make a good huckleberry mojito too. Oh, why thank you, and good chocolate chip cookie too. The brown butter. Yeah. Uh, when I'm cooking, cooking is the wrong word. I'm just eating a big old bowl of cereal if it's just me. <laughs> I've been really into raisin nut bran lately. It's so good, man. Those like yeah. big old candied raisin things. 
when I'm cooking for other people, I'm really into... So my dad passed down a lot of like uh, family secret breakfast recipes. And speaking of uh, items on my underrated, overrated list, other people's parents' pancakes or whatever, always overrated. It's never as good as you think they are. It's always like the ones where they just mix water in with like some mix and they're just terrible. It's nostalgic. (laughs) Like that's what they grew up eating. So they think it's the best. But when someone tells me, oh, wait until you try my mom's... I was going to say cherry pie, but that got a little that weird. sounds very um, sexual. Uh, <laughs> Choose any other food. Yes. I don't know how my Literally brain Literally any there. other food. But uh, yeah, so probably just like breakfast for dinner kind of thing. A bunch of, oh, bunch of pancakes, for dinner. waffles, Why whatever. did you have to go on that tangent about people liking their parents' pancakes? All these recipes are passed down from my dad. And I, I recognize oh, that pancakes. I probably like them a lot better oh. than anyone else will. But that's what I'm making them. I see. I thought you were going to say like my dad's actually are the best and I was going to call you out for being a hypocrite but you went the other direction yeah. so <laughs> did you nail your hello fresh meals we got sent the, yeah they were pretty good they're pretty yeah. good they're free um, for hello fresh charge them <laughs> i mean send a bill they did pay us once yeah <laughs> my life as i see it do any other animals squirt stuff at you other than skunks ps cake a la mode is one dessert <laughs> all right yeah i agree with that that's just if cake you, and ice cream. If you order cake a la mode, it's one dessert. Okay, hold but on. But if you, if you get cake and ice cream, it's two desserts. It's the exact same thing. It's not. My whole argument the entire it's time is just the vocabulary the in preparation. The, my whole argument has been like, if the chef prepares cake and ice cream, and he's like, hey, today's dessert is cake and ice cream, like cake a la mode, that's a dessert. But if someone says, you can have one dessert for the rest of your life on a deserted island and you say cake and ice cream, you're trying to come up with a loophole. But if I say cake a la mode, it's fine. Uh, Then it gets dicey Because it's the exact same thing. Okay. Anyway. Uh, What was their question again? (laughs) If any other animal squirts stuff. I can't believe you just admitted that was one you could I've said that since the beginning. Anyway. No, you haven't. Yes, I have. Squids? I've always said it's all about how it was meant to be I think there's no argument anymore. I think we're both on the same side. We're not on the same side. I've always said. I'll just say cake a la mode for now on. No, I've always said that they can be one dessert, but that in my initial question, they were two. I said that it didn't count in my question, and that's why we got in the argument in the first place. That's always been my position. I've never deviated from it. As far as other animals that can squirt things, squids can squirt ink. Um, What's that lizard that squirts blood out of its yeah, eyeball? Yeah, I was going to say a horned a horn lizard can squirt blood out of its eyeball. That's cool. Uh, a lot of other animals will like squirt musk, like a tiger can like musk, or lots of animals can do that. Mm. It's essentially what a skunk is doing too. Fox. But they don't necessarily use it as like a defensive mechanism. What? Don't mm. fox do that? They smell pretty strong. Yeah, but that's it's more of like them marking territory than it is like them using it for defense. So three okay. that came to mind are skunks, squids and horn lizards spitting cobras yeah that's a good one. Oh yeah yeah there's other uh, animals that spit venom too i think llamas they spit oh yeah that's kind of squirting it's squirting <laughs> <laughs> all right mike you're really stumbling all over yourself what's going on here <laughs> starbucks 23 if you were on the show alone what would be your top five items to bring i'd bring question. like 
a fishing pole, I'd bring a hunting rifle, I'd bring a cell phone, I'd bring a Nintendo Switch, <laughs> and I'd bring a house. That's a good pick. Those are great, great picks. Um, I'm going to fold in another question into this one, too, because we had a patron named Jeff and his fiance Chloe, who wanted to know which of us would last the longest on a loan and how long we think we'd last. So Jeff, oh, we have done that before. Oh, we have. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, sorry. Mike Jeff said he would just leave right away. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, we decided I would probably last the longest. Okay. Yeah. There are five items. Man, yours are really good ones. <laughs> I, I think for me the big thing would be boredom. So I think I would want to bring like playing cards as one of my items, even though it seems like a waste. I think I'd want playing cards. And like play solitaire. There's so many other things that are like, well, whatever. Okay, this is yeah, your list. Yeah, but they don't allow you to bring like a Nintendo Switch or something. I know we're allowing that for this question. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but I'm gonna be I'm gonna be true to the show. I would want that. I would want my fly rod. I would want. I think I would just really want to be warm. So I'd just want like an extra layer, an extra sleeping bag. If I could yeah. have an extra sleeping bag, because I feel like the thing that would make me leave is like being uncomfortable. So fly rod extra sleeping bag and some playing cards. I don't even need five. That's all I want. I just want those extra three. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. I bring that huge coat that Jeff threw away. That was yeah. so nice. That thing oh, was massive. Man. That's so big. <laughs> I'd bring like a fighter jet probably so I could kill everyone and then get out of there. Right. What's the point of alone? I don't really know. I never watched it. Are you trying to kill each other? No, no. You're just trying to outlast. It's like the new the Netflix person. show. Yeah. Where okay. you trying to outlast. What outlast, yeah. Yeah. Alone yeah. is just like, yeah, you got your own little section of wilderness and whoever okay. can live there. The you just longest. have to survive the longest. Uh from Reagan Neckert. What do you think listeners do while listening to the pod? When I'm listening to podcasts, I'm usually either driving or doing some chores. So I'm gonna say those yeah. two things. I feel like people listen a lot when they hike. Yeah. I think that's a good and one. like kind of freak themselves out a little. Yeah. But in a fun way. Okay. Um, Madison Krupa, did Wes and Jesse come up with names for those baby ducks? Yeah, uh, we're naming. We named one Puddle because Jesse asked her friend's kids, and that's the name they came up with. And then I named the other one Spike after my favorite vampire from the um, seminal series. You went with Spike, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which is top five show for I me. I think people heard. Okay, yeah. We talked about it on a bonus episode, but yeah. this is we did, going my, out to Wes's was undecided, right? Yeah, it was either Giles or Spike, and I went with Spike because right. he's a little bad boy. Cody Cocoa Pie. Aliens just landed on Earth. What is the first food or foods or meal you feed them? Uh, Alien, what are we feeding them? The first thing we're feeding them? Yeah. Huh. I would just want to like blow their minds. I'd feed them the the Ebola virus. Make sure they can't kill us faster than we can kill them. <laughs> right. I'm gonna just feed them like some lawn grass because then like they'll act like they like it, and then it's like only uphill from from there, you know. So everything they eat from now on, set like, bar low. Yeah, That's if you give point. them like the best thing right away, it's going to be like, oh wait, all this other stuff isn't as good as that first thing I had. I think I, I would thought feed Earth them. Was going to be awesome. I'd feed them a big old bag of plastic, in the hopes that they really like it and they would just eat all the plastic around the world and clean up our oceans and stuff. Um, and then I had one more question I want to ask, and this is just Jeff's question he found on Twitter. 
Okay. <laughs> so I'm not going to give the person credit even. Or should I? I guess I will. It's Lee Jameson. I don't know who it is. I don't follow him. They don't listen. Name a fictional character who would pay for Twitter blue. Fictional character. Their, their choice was... Percy Weasley? Shooter McGavin. Percy Weasley's a great one. Percy Weasley <laughs> one, for sure, yeah. That's such a good one. Yeah, that is a good one. Uh, Denethor. Denethor, yeah, I was just thinking that. I think, Kendall Roy, uh, but he would already Kendall have... Roy's he would already one. be... No, but like, but, yeah, if you had pay to it. pay... Oh, yeah, Kendall Roy. Joffrey, maybe. Yeah, King He might Joffrey. not care, though. Yeah. <laughs> He'd pay for it. All right. All right. Good question. I like that one. So really quickly, um, we did conservation in the last episode, and this is a two-parter. But I did, I found uh, like some interesting facts from a few different websites that I wanted to share that I don't think we've talked about yet when it comes to black bears. Um, especially, I wanted to talk about black bears within British Columbia. So one really cool thing is that black bears in British Columbia and coastal areas they did the study that showed that they consume an on average 13 salmon per day during the spawning season, which is wow. crazy. And that they actually may influence salmon genetics just based on how they prey on salmon, which oh, wow. makes salmon healthier and increases their genetic variation. Like the ones that are better at avoiding black bears are the ones that reproduce. Exactly. Yeah. And then also it has a lot of impacts on their ecosystem and the bear that we're talking about wasn't necessarily, it wasn't a coastal ecosystem, but a lot of them in British Columbia are, so that's what we're talking about. When they catch a salmon and they take it away from the stream and they eat it, they spread that salmon all over the place and then scavengers spread it even more and nutrients from those salmon feed a lot of the plants in the areas and a lot of those specific plants in that specific ecosystem, they need those salmon nutrients to thrive and survive. So bears are like a really key component by spreading salmon all over the forest, which is really cool to me. Yeah. It's kind of funny, like, all these black bears in the desert would just be so much happier if they moved to Alaska and oh, yeah. like coastal <laughs> black bears. For sure. And then often when you talk about black bears in British Columbia, people do bring up the spirit bear, or they often call them kermode bears. Um, but this is a white black bear. They only exist on BC Central Coast in the Great Bear Rainforest. It's a recessive trait in those bears, so it's essentially, like, hair color again but it it's recessive so it's very uncommonly expressed both parents have to have the gene and it well, only they have occurs... to mate with another white one well it doesn't necessarily mean that they have to mate with another white one but they both have to have that recessive gene for it to be expressed it occurs in about 10 to 25 percent of black bears in that area and it's unknown exactly why small amount no but it's recessive so, like, when it's a recessive gene, all their other genes are going to, like, express themselves over it unless mm. they both have it and they have that combination of alleles to make it express itself. So it doesn't happen very often. And the thought is that it's this adaptation to sunlight. So it's like a fish is looking up. It's much less likely to see a white bear than it is a black bear. And so oh. it makes them better salmon hunters is the thought of why it's it's, like, being expressed. And if it continues to make them better salmon hunters, you would see that gene probably go from being recessive to being dominant in a population, and you'd start to see a lot more white bears. So we'll see if that happens in the next 100,000 years. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. I'm All right. rooting for it. Yeah. And that's why it happens where there's salmon, is right. not like in that's the, the lower 48. That's just a theory, but that's the prevailing theory of, of why it's expressed. 
So we already did Do We Like This Animal in the last episode. We all gave our votes. So really, I think I'm just going to say, do you like British Columbia? It's going to be very different from any do you like that we've ever done. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, arguably, yeah, it's well, it's probably a top five prettiest place I've ever been is like Banff area. Yeah. That's Alberta. Oh, is it? It's right next to British Where Columbia. Where have I been in British Columbia? British Columbia is just like, just the very western edge of Montana is bordered by British Columbia. Is British Columbia like west of Alberta is my question. Yes. Yeah. British Columbia is coastal. Most. Yeah. Okay. Like yeah. I've still been through a ton of mountains in British Columbia, but not bad. Okay. Like Smithers was British Columbia. Um, okay. Yeah. Anyway. It's beautiful uh, out there. It is. It's probably my favorite Canadian territory or province, whatever yeah. they call them. Yeah, for sure. Vancouver is one of my favorite cities I've ever been to. I lived right on the border when I was up in Bellingham, Washington. It's incredible. Yeah, it is. So we're all big fans. I'm going to give it, I'm going to give British Columbia nine out of 10 claws. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I'll give it a 10. Kay. Just that we're giving it a claw rating. Yeah. <laughs> that glacier we saw was British Columbia, right? Right outside uh, of Hyder. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was like the fifth biggest out there or something. Yeah, it was the one where they filmed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Awe-inspiring. All right. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, you hate glaciers. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for sticking with us for this two-parter. Until I find a worse one, I would say this is the worst bear, black bear attack I've ever come across. Just in yeah. like, the devastation it caused. and Takes the, the crown the violence. from Cynthia Bacon for the tooth and yeah. claw black bear stories. I, I would agree. Hers is like such a crazy story still, but this one is It's just so intense. crazy that they like sit on you and start eating you. I know. It's so know. bad. It's a bad way to die. Yeah. But um, thanks for listening. If you guys are interested in more content, as always, check out our Patreon channel. Uh, just go to patreon.com and search tooth and claw podcast. Or if you're an Apple podcast listener and you'd rather subscribe to the Apple Grizz Club, it's really easy. You'll put the subscription ones right in your feed. So that's another option for you. We have a lot of fun over there. Those are really fun episodes. So it's like the price of what? It's less than the price of one movie a month for you to get all that extra content. So there you go. Let me go sign up. All right. All right. We love you. <laughs> we'll see you later. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their cases had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible. And if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday.